I just put this class together, and I think it really kind of breaks down what it is that we do for people. You're going to have more questions, right? It's not going to answer everything, but the purpose of you coming today, and Aaron was someone brand new. I sat with Aaron earlier this week, was just for you to come and kind of learn um, kind of who we are, what we're doing. And people say, well, what is this, man? Like, it's, there's a lot. But in the short amount of time, we've kind of summarized it by priorities. You know, so those of you that have seen this for the first time, I think it's important that you kind of understand what it is that Difference Financial we specialize in for. So it's our top three priorities start with number three is is becoming a becoming a professional in financial services and insurance industry um, is our forte here. We want people to become very strong at being able to go out there and helping people from all walks of life to be able to meet people where they're at, whether it's a business owner, a school teacher, a family, wherever you're at, whether they can save 25 bucks a month or 250,000 bucks a month, you're gonna be say, I can help you. Um, it's a really profound thing to be able to do, you know, to, and have that confidence, right? And know things that most people don't know, you know, and most people, even in the traditional industry, even financial advisors that have been doing this a long time don't even know everything. And the, there's a lot of evolution happening right now, which is we're really fortunate to really be teaching this as a craft. Right, so it's a big part of what we'll learn here. Um, you'll learn a little bit about that today. Uh, number two is entrepreneurship as a lifestyle, which it's literally what the whole goal of becoming an entrepreneur is. Well, I love asking, like Natalie, she used to work for Corporate America, she's CPA, and she's got flexibility. She's like, this is the perfect time to start my own thing, which is very fortunate because there is never a perfect time to start a business. Right, it's always gonna be inconvenient. You know, and the whole thing about, you know, the, the whole thing about success, it's like uh, success and convenience are like oil and water. They simply do not mix at all. Um, you're going to be knocked out of balance. Just know that. You know, family time for me is not traditional what family time is for most people. You know, family time is people have dinner. You know, family time for me is between 5.30 and 7 in the morning. That's when we get together, we have breakfast, and... While people are sleeping, I'm having family time because I work in the evening, you know. And so you have to kind of, you, you, you have to be creative and realize how you do time. And so for me, it's what is it about business that why we're here is because of this whole concept of this, what good is it to have money but no time, right? It's really, that it makes no sense if you really think about it because, look, you can lose money, but you can get money back, you know. So everything is impermanent. Everything's always changing. And then what good is it to have a lot of time, but you have no money, right? So to us, the question is, how do I get time and money together? That's really why we're here, right? That's the, that's the fundamental question of entrepreneurship. Like, why am I doing this? Because at some point, you want to have time and money together, you know, at some point. And so you're going to work, you, to, to have something that you've never had, you're going to have to do something that you've never done. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's, it's the truth, you know, and that's really what it is, is... I'm not, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to start living a retired life, right? I'm willing to work for five to seven years and compress those 40 years of work from 25 to 65 and just like, right? So I can have that long-term benefit. And that's why people are here. So we teach people how to do that. But the number one thing that we teach here is identity. Because if you're going to experience these two things, it's really about your self-confidence, right? Because what it takes to win in anything is confidence. 
right? You can know a lot about money, you can know a lot about things work, but if you lack self-worth, if you lack self-confidence, you're going to lose, you know? And that's a big epidemic out there of people have, right? That's where they struggle with identity. It's how they see themselves, you know? And we've all been beat up by life in here, you know? And that's the really fundamental question about identity is not to go deep with you guys, it is a truth, is if people really knew the truth about me, would they still love me, right? If they knew all my faults, if they knew my, because that's how we're wired by society, to see more of our flaws than our strengths. And your whole reality is based on how you have a conversation with yourself of every moment, right? And if you were to look at a whole day's worth of how you speak to yourself in that conversation that you're always having between this and this, you know, if you really studied it and just put your whole conversation with yourself on paper for the whole day, you'd be like, wow, do I really talk to myself that way? I look like a crazy person. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it really does take you taking ownership of your life, saying, you know, you are worth it, you're amazing, you're the man, you're the woman, you're, you know, people, you're, you're worthy of success, you're worthy of being followed. You got to, you have to start shifting the conversation, you know, and... All, when people speak, it's nothing more reflection of the conversation that they're having with them. And that's where we have to really take a whole approach to identity, you know, and which is the number one thing that we do here. Right? Number one thing. Because change your conversation, change your life. It's the truth. Right? You know, and sometimes you have to get, sometimes you, you know, life has to give you what you don't want in order for you to put back in focus what you do want. And I think business is the greatest teacher of that. You know, I have found nothing, right? To me, I'm speaking for myself, that has, that has tested me spiritually like entrepreneurship has. Right? You know, and that's for me. You know, I know some people are faith-based and you do things like that. But for me, it's been my way of experiencing spirituality at the highest level. Like, wow. Yeah. Right? How can I create the light? Because think about an entrepreneur, you create... Something out of absolutely nothing, right? When you're an entrepreneur, nobody pays you. You create. You are the ones that are creating money out of thin air. How do you do that? Your ideas, your mind, your actions, right? You know. Once you, once I see an entrepreneur in action, I knew that they have thought about that prior to taking that action, right? And so that's a big part of what we do here. You know. So it's a big part of what we teach a lot. And if that kind of culture, that kind of knowledge base interests you, then I think you're at the right place. Right? We're not looking for everybody here. This is not come on, come on. Um, business, business is not for everybody. You kind of have to be somewhat of a, of a masochist, right? You kind of have to be somewhat sadistic in a sense, a little bit crazy. Um, if you like comfort, don't be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Um, but think, but the truth of that statement is, what have you learned by being comfortable, right? And that's why a lot of you have left your jobs because your job becomes one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one. What am I gonna do tomorrow? The same thing I did yesterday, in the last month, in the last five years, right? And it's just like, yeah, my my needs are being met. I'm paying my bills. I have a little bit of savings at the bank. You know, I'm comfortable. But why are you wanting to leave? Because you're not fulfilled. Right? You, there's, you know, success without fulfillment is failure. You know, and so to me, it's like, can I do it? Can I go out there and create something? 
And I, you know, I'm showing up this morning. I do this every Saturday. I show up here early. Nobody's here, and I'm setting up, and I'm like, man, I do this every Saturday. <laughs> but why do I do it? It's because to me, I'm so grateful to have an opportunity to even speak to you. That it gives you an idea of something that can possibly transform your life. And if I'm not giving, I don't feel on purpose. You know, that's just me. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty of life is find something that you truly value and give it away. And that's really what we're here for, you know. At the end of the day, it's, yeah, we all want financial security and money, but at the end of the day, you want purpose, like what Gail's talking about. You want fulfillment. We want to we teach our kids, if you have children, a better way of living, right? And I feel that money is very fundamental to that. And what you're going to learn today is a lot of strategy. But I'm going to show you today, most people don't know. This stuff has been around a long time. It's just people are not informed. Right, and we call it the ABCs of money, and it's uh, I'm excited about sharing this. Write this down. It's called the cash flow quadrant. This kind of uh, epitomizes everything that we're doing here. So the cash flow quadrant is four ways in society to make money, and you just have to understand this because everybody falls. I don't care what you do, everybody, and I mean everybody that you see in society falls under one of these four categories. Most people are in the E quadrant, which is employee. The employee is an active income. You work hard, you'll get security, there's no time, right? It's, who's ever felt like that guy, yeah. right? You know, and the thing about active income is we're wired by society from a young age, and this country is really good at that because we learn from a young age, let's go to school to get a great education. The truth about our current education system is deeply flawed when you really look at its core purpose, right? And I'm all about education, all about it. I value education. To me now, in 2018, I just really value the right education. My point is this, is school teachers go to school, get a good education, go to college, get some higher education, get a piece of paper that tells you that you're qualified to go get a good what? to get work for the entrepreneur, right? And if you study most entrepreneurs that own businesses, you'll notice that they do not have education, a lot of them, right? A lot of immigrants come to this country and they focus more on capitalism and how money works versus going, their kids go through the system because that's American, right? America is to, we, we, we look at each other based on our credentials of education now. People disagree with that because, well, that's what I went through. But nowadays, because of technology, how easy is it to access information? Mm -hmm. Right? It's really, you know, if it's really simple. There's, you know, there's a term called autodidact. You ever heard of that? An autodidact is someone that is self-taught. Right? I sat with a young kid, 23, he was like, um, yeah, man, I do options trading stocks. And I'm like, man, dude, who taught you money in your family? He's like, nobody. I'm like, where'd you learn that? Took a class? YouTube videos, man. Mm -hmm. that, is the, that is the new generation. <clears throat> People have that, you know, like, think about it now. It's, you know, Sarah now, she's like, you got a car, you got to start a podcast. I'm like, I don't know nothing about that. You know, she's like, you got to do this, you got to do it. Because nowadays is, who listens to podcasts in here? I do. How much does it cost to listen to podcasts? It's free. 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 Who, who listens to YouTube videos on any type of content? 
What's it cost to listen to that? Free. Free. Right? See my point, right? This is why you're starting to see commercials or free tuition now, right? It's this and that because college is losing a lot of business. Why? Because they no longer are the holders of the information. So why am I paying you $600 a unit when I can go learn this myself on my own time, at my own pace, at my own speed? For free. For free. The game is changing, right? Hence, this is changing. Now, Google, Apple, these big corporations don't require a college degree anymore for them to hire, right? So the game is shifting, right? So nowadays, it's not about what college really had as esteem. Oh, you graduated from that school? Wow. Because of the prestige of the information that that school taught. But nowadays, it's like, well, it's not a, 20 years ago, the person that had that information had a superior advantage. Mm -hmm. That's no longer the case. Nowadays, we all have access to the information. Yeah. So the, the competitive edge on us and everybody else is not about, oh, you know more than I do. It's who can execute the information. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to. Can you execute the knowledge? Right? Because it was like, oh, I know a lot. Well, how come you don't do it then? Right? So there's, there's a difference between what you know and then what you do with what you know. Mm -hmm. Right? So what good is it to have? And that's what school pumps us with. It's like... I have a piece of paper that tells me I'm very smart. But how can you get results as if you're so stupid? Right? If, you're, if, if the paper says you're smart because you don't know how to execute. So school taught us how to learn and memorize, but did not teach us how to execute. Right? And entrepreneurship, if you want to feed yourself, you must execute. Right? And it's way more simple than in anything, right? So when you're an employee, you have a job, you trade time for money. Now, some people start to realize right away, like, okay, this is going to be a dead end. Because maybe you realize, I can't pass over my job to my kids. No matter how great that job with benefits is, right? Because for the most people, this is a stark realization that people are having right now. As soon as you stop working, your income stops. That's the truth, right? As soon as you, stop leaving, as soon as you leave work that day, your income stops. Right? And so we need to realize this is limiting, but what doesn't stop? Everything else around us keeps getting more expensive. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'm like, okay, this is no longer working. So this paradigm is right now in a huge evolutionary state where it's time to slow death. So people are like, okay, I got to do something else. So they move into this. Self-employed. I want to start my own business. Right? I want to start becoming a bookkeeper. I'm going to start doing real estate. I'm going to do, you know what? I like doing, you know, hair. Maybe I'll do that on the side. Right? And it's cool, you work for yourself. There's a sense of pride and control and creation that like, I have something. And if you're doing it just to make extra money, perfect. But if you're doing your side hustle to get free of it, be careful that you're just, you don't go from having a job to not just owning a job, right? And that's what could happen, right? Because if, you, if you're in a self-employed profession, if, you do not, if you're not currently sitting in front of a client, you're not making any money. Right? So sometimes the business owns you more than you own the business. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's where people can get stuck too, right? So biggest ones are like doctors who have a lot of student loan debt for medical school. They have a private practice, but they are the business, right? You know, I'm here to see Dr. Salgado. Well, Dr. Salgado's on two-week vacation. Well, I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> that's, how, that's the limiting aspect of that.
And so this is how you have to realize that this is 95% of society. It's a small fraction of where people have built wealth, right? So what we want to teach here is becoming a business owner. Well, I thought here you're a business owner. Technically you are. But the difference between the S and the B quadrant is you own a system and people work for you. Right? Hence Jessica's like, I just hired my second employee. How much has that alleviated you, by the way? So much. I'm just kind of running the business instead of working the business as much as I'm. Is the income still going to come? Yeah. That's called passive income. Things are getting done. Right? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's called passive income, guys, right? It's easy work, it's stability. Now you have time. Now, oh, whoa. I have time and money. Plus, yes, two kids, too. Right? You see what I'm saying? Because that is, again, the fundamental question that if money was not an issue, how would you be spending your time? Something I ask myself is, if I didn't have to worry about money, what would I be doing today? Like, think about if you woke up and like, you could do whatever you want with who you want, how you want. Like, whoa, that's, my mind has never even pondered those kind of choices before. Right? And so that's why we have to unlock your mind from the prison that has been in these boxes. Because most people's choices are based on the paradigm that they currently see. And based on my world, my box says that I can have these choices. I can eat at Sizzler instead of Ruth's Chris. Right? So I only focus on the choices that my paycheck gives me. And well, what if we were to unlock that and say there's a lot more, right? And this has nothing to do with right, your intellect. It has nothing to do with right, uh, your degrees. Everyone has the freedom to choose this, right? And so it's just, it comes down to, again, mindset and belief. But this is where I feel right now. We, we will look back at this era just like there was a gold rush era in our country, right, many years ago. This is the entrepreneurial era because of the internet, because of the way society is evolving. So this is an entrepreneurial gold rush. I have met more people move into business in the last five years than, uh, you know, me personally, than when I started in entrepreneurship in 2004, right? It was still like, you know, if you had a master's degree, it was meant something. Well, right now, it is all about working for yourself, but people like, I can't go to San Diego State and teach me how to be a successful entrepreneur. But they don't teach that. They teach you how to get an MBA to go manage an entrepreneur's books, right? But not how to run your own company. And well, how do you do that? You have to, entrepreneurship is not theoretical like in a classroom setting. This is a classroom setting, right? But this is not where you learn it. This is where you, you learn concepts, but then you must go out there and apply them. That's where you learn faster, right? So that's what we want to teach here. And you're going to own a system. Now, once you start earning passive income, you keep your lifestyle the same, then where you truly build wealth is now you start investing what you earn. Does that make sense? You become an investor. And one of the best investments still known to mankind is two of them, real estate and business. Business is the number one asset class in my opinion. Why? Because why can't most people own real estate in this city? Expensive. It's expensive, right? They don't have the capital for it. So what is the next best investment? You know, Carl, I'm trying to get into real estate investing. Right? My job is I'm living income. Start a business, man. Yeah, but what does that cost? There's, you know the low startup cost now that exists in business? Like, for example, this industry, we pay, what, $600 to get a license, right? There's people here, we're making, five, you know, I paid, five, I paid 600 bucks to get a license. And it's paid me over half a million in the last few years. That's a good return on investment, right? And something that's not difficult. But most people don't believe that, right? 
You know, it's like, I always question, I was like, oh, $600 for a license. I was talking to a college kid, you know, I was going to master's. Degree. I was like, what did you pay for, you got two more classes, what did you pay for one, for one unit of a three-unit class, $650? <laughs> I was like, does that guarantee you success? No, but I feel like I have to have it. Why? Because the paradigm of society says I should. It's fascinating to me, I'm like, right? You know, one of the greatest quotes, you know, you guys ever, Mark Twain was a really great writer, mm -hmm. right? And he was a really, he was a philosopher. And he says that whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when I first heard that, it always left me thinking, like, if we're doing what everyone else is doing, who, what's really going on? Right? So my point, entre entrepreneurship is, if everybody's zigging, you have to be zagging. Right? It is not modern day thinking. It is not. Matter of fact, the more skeptical people are of your actions is the sign that you're doing something that most people are not doing. Right? I can't even talk about it to most of my friends. Yeah. They won't listen to it. <laughs> so that's our point here is you want to get on this side of the quadrant. So you got to learn about systems. You got to learn about investing. It's 5% of people, but it's 95% of our wealth is built. Does that make sense? That's what you're learning here, right? And it's uh, it sounds really counterintuitive because for many of you, like, this is just like, my mind is just like, it's hard for me to process because you're fighting 35 or how many years of conditioning, yeah. right? And how deep is conditioning in the human species, right? I remember going to TJ as a kid. You ever been to the circuses of TJ, by the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are a show, man, I'll tell you that, right? <laughs> right? But I remember, right, like I remember the big elephants, they'd have these little skinny like rope that they could easily just run off. And I remember one time the skinny, like the baby elephant had a big thick chain and it just kept pulling, right? And because it was trying to get away, right? You know, and I realized that at some point, all those big elephants used to be the baby elephant with a thick chain. At some point that baby elephant's gonna realize that it can no longer, it cannot move or leave. The mind has been wired, conditioned. So just take out the thick chain, put on a skinny one to the mind, to the elephant's mind. It doesn't matter if it's a thick chain or skinny one. I'm trapped. Where the human mind is no different. The human mind is no different whatsoever. <laughs> right? We we have become conditioned, right? And sometimes we have to unlearn in order to relearn. You know, and I feel that's what our society has done for us. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we want to run systems here. Right? And we said, well, what is, the, what is the pathway to success is moving the B quadrant? We, we created a system. We saw other systems that have been really successful, right? Like these guys. Billions and billions served each day. This is a true thing, right? Is your food that good? No, but why do they do so well? They're systems. They have a system, right? And it's like, if you want to understand McDonald's, watch the movie The Founder. It's a great movie for an entrepreneur. Well, Ray Kroc did for them, right? Because it wasn't the McDonald's brothers that started this. It was Ray Kroc that went in and said, I see it. You guys need to make a franchise. You guys need to put a system on this. And they're like, nah, that's too much work for us. We just want to do something small, mom and pop shop. He took that idea and eventually, you know, made it work for himself. But how to create massive duplication, right? So to us, we're in the duplication business. Because that's what I was telling Jessica. She was working so hard. She's very talented. But... There's only 24 hours in a day, you know? And so I always tell Jessica, Jessica, what if you had 10 Jessicas? She's like, oh my gosh. 
right? right? That's the biggest challenge for everybody. And that's where I see people stuck in the S quadrant. You, you will you will position yourself in the S quadrant if you're one of these people. And this is where ego gets involved. I was like, yeah, I want someone else to do it, but I got to do it because no one's going to do it as good as I'm going to do it. And you just screwed yourself, man. Right? Because now you always physically have to be, if you're always the one doing it, guess what? Hey, we're going to the beach. You keep doing it. I'm going to go have fun at the beach. <laughs> right? That's where, we, that's where we end up hurting ourselves. You know, so how do I free myself of this? No one's ever going to do it as good as you if you're someone that's methodical. But can you still succeed if someone's doing it even 50% as good as you? And the answer is yes, if you create systems around it, right? And that's what we want to teach you here is run a system so the system can run your business and we've already proven it, right? We have a system here. <clears throat> this is it. You know, the more, I, the more I do this business, the more I realize how valuable this has been for us, right? So, at the end of the day, you want lifestyle, right? Whatever that means for you. There's some people in this room that want to make just an extra 2,000 bucks a month. There's some people in here that want to make 100,000 bucks a month, right? Can you do that here? The answer is yes. It really just depends on you, right? So, you got to be clear as to what that is, though. You have to start with the end in mind first, right? Be clear as to what that is. So, once, hey, I want a house on the beach. I want to make 100,000 a month. I want to travel the world. Okay, great. It's great goals. So that's what you're clear on. So how much cash is it going to take for you to do that? How much money are you going to need to save? So you know, how much sales are you going to need to make? Right? How much passive income do you need? You got to be licensed. You got to get trained, which we do. So everyone in here is you're in business for yourself, but you're not by yourself. Right? Everybody here. Nobody works for me, right? In this room. Everybody in here works with me. Okay, and I'm just a leader that's teaching it. We have an associate membership agreement. This is when we count people in. A little background check. We do the interview process so people look at us and then we say, okay, now I'm interested. Now we look at you. Right? And we, we really want to determine if there's a fit. Um, I'll start from number one here is how do you get clients? Is the number one thing an entrepreneur must solve is how do you get clients? We don't cold call here. We don't even go door knocking here. Everything is a relationship and referral business. Now, because of technology, everything we've done has always been offline. Now, online is like kind of we're, we're gradually moving into that space because why not? It's free marketing to some degree. Even with some paid marketing, you're going to get even more traction. Go to a restaurant and just while you're waiting for a table, just look around the restaurant. And you'll see that almost 80% of that restaurant's on their phone. Right? Everybody's on their phone. Right? And so might as well see you on there, right? Because that's where we're going to be. So that's a, teaching us how to prospect, how to set appointments, how to present concepts that people want, and then how to follow up and then close that business is very vital, right? And those are things that we teach really well, right? Generating leads and converting them into business is a big part of every entrepreneur's you know, perspective, right? It doesn't matter how much you know is how much you execute. I've seen people make a lot of money with terrible products. Right? Why is that? Because they know how to convert, they know how to sell. And our <coughs> products are awesome. Right? They're very good products, but it's, if you don't have the sales mentality, I don't like sales. You know? I was like, well, what is it about sales you don't like? Because everybody's in sales. I don't care what you are. Right? You know, if you're a parent, you have to sell your children. If you're a child, child are really good at selling their parents, 
right? They know how to close you, <laughs> right? You know, and it's like if you're married, you're in sales. You close somebody on a long-term deal. <laughs> it's the truth, right? It's the truth, you know. And so, to me, it's selling. To me, is you have to believe in what you're doing. So this is our process, and we teach with this. This is, and people say, I get it, Carlo. But each of these steps does require a certain level of identity and psychology. You know, if you don't believe in because you can know all about this, but if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in what you're doing, the products and services, you're not going to do it. But if you believe in yourself and you believe in the process, you're going to do fine. Right? And that's really what we want to teach you. The rich don't work for money. This is so true, right? People think all well, rich people. And this is where I struggled my first years in entrepreneurship because I wanted money, and this is very important. Uh, this is identity. I'm not a money-hungry person, you know. I would always unconsciously judge people that would spend $250,000 on a car, right? I would see someone like, you just paid $250,000 on that car? What an idiot. You know what I would have did with that money? I would have did this, I would have did that, I would have, you know. I would judge, right? So that's what I would do. And I didn't even know that I was doing this, and then I was like, well, I'm trying to go get $250,000 and I was self-sabotage because unconsciously or unawarely, how could you become something that you resent? Right? That's a big, big identity thing, right? So I started saying, you know, I started, every time you see someone, like when the economy was tough and I started seeing people driving Bentleys and buying dream houses, I'm like, hey, good for that person, right? Anytime you see someone that is living a good life, bless that person, bless that family, right? Don't you want someone to do that for you, right? The last thing you want is to buy your dream car and someone's like, really, Aaron? You know what you could have done with that money? You know what I would have done with that money? I'm like, oh, wow, it sounds like me. Right? Because you can't become what you unconsciously hate. It's not going to happen. So I was over there trying to get money, but deep down in my core beliefs, I hated it. That had to change. Right? And most people think that all the rich care about is money. They don't care about money. Right? They don't work for money. They care about assets, right? So the rich buy assets. The poor only have expenses. The middle class buy liabilities and they think that are assets. The poor and the middle class work for money. The rich have money work for them. That's the truth, right? You can look at that in so many ways, but that is this fundamental truth. And we want to teach you how to buy assets here, right? What, what is an asset by definition? Then? Something that puts money in your pocket. Yes, right? That's. <clears throat> Something that puts money in your pocket, right? So that's when you—that's what you're here for. As a business owner, it's like I am investing in my asset. When I get more money, I put it back to this business because nothing is going to feed me longer, better, stronger than my business. Now, once my business is producing enough cash flow, then I'm going to take it and buy more assets like real estate, right? So now my business is feeding me consistently. Now I have two rental properties, three rental properties, and those are feeding me. And the more that those assets ask us, so when do you buy the toys? If you have to go physically do something, like I got to go sell something in order for me to make that $100,000 to buy that dream car, wrong. That's you, you're not free yet. Because you, you just become a liability yourself. You use your time as liability. Now when you're like, you know what, I took a month off, and my business still produced $100,000 a month, my business bought the car, not me. See the difference? Yeah. That's when you do it, right? But most people are impatient in this society to do that, right? Because we want to look the part and be the part. 
and that's absolutely false, right? It's absolutely false. And that's the biggest thing in this business, you're gonna have a lot of temptation, because you're gonna be, you're gonna have 20,000 months and you wanna go buy a brand new car because you're like, man, I want people to know that I'm successful because that's what everyone tells me it should be. But what you don't know about most people, the mirage of that, is most people are really broke, right? They drive a 750 Beamer, but it's leased, right? You know what I'm saying? There's no ownership. You know, we rent these things, but we don't own them because we want to look the part. I'd rather you be free, right? Because oh, even though it's just a lease and it's a tax write-off, you know, you could have invested that in more assets because that's what liabilities are, right? Something that takes money out of your pocket, you know? And so I want you to, you're gonna keep it. Here's the secret. If you're living out 3,000 bucks a month and you start making 5,000, keep up living out 3,000 bucks a month. You start making 10,000 a month, keep living on 3,000 bucks a month. Start making 20,000, keep living on 3,000 bucks a month. Right? Yeah. It's really difficult, I gotta tell you, right? That's where I'm at. It's hard, right? I drive a 2011 Mazda, and I have a lot of temptation sometimes <laughs> to go just get a, you know, go lease a car. But I was like, but that would be, you know, I, I wouldn't be practicing what I'm preaching. You know, and who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please other people or am I trying to really trying to make it? And this is the biggest temptation with ego and money, right? I want to be here because one day I want to be free. And what's more important, freedom or just having money, right, that makes you look like you're free but you're really not? Freedom. Freedom, man. You with me? It's very, very important, right? Again, this is identity, right? So assets, rental properties, businesses, stocks, bonds, CDs, things that we teach here, liabilities, car loans, mortgage, credit card data, which is what's struggling with most people. Does that make sense? So we want to teach you here how to invest in assets. Um, now we get into strategy. And the strategy is this, right? This is probably, you should teach your kids if they're starting to understand multiplication and division. And that is the rule of 72. The rule of 72 is the most powerful concept of compound interest. And it's so simple, you're like, why did they teach me this? It's, it was considered to be the greatest mathematical discovery of all time. And all it is, is if you take the number 72, because when a client shows you their 401k statement or their investment statements, and they're like, I don't know how to read this, because we don't know how to read interest rates in this country. Aaron, is this good? Like, every investment has a one and five and 10 year history. And say, well, let's look at your 10 years. Over the last 10 years, your investment did 4%. I don't, I don't, what does that mean? 72 divided by 4 means 18. Okay, so if you're 29 and you have $10,000 and you're earning 4%, that means 18 years later the money doubles. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then 18 years later the money doubles again. So the question, even if you're 29, I can say, Aaron, it's, this is, it's done 4% in the last 10 years. I don't know what it's gonna do in the next 10 years. I'm just telling you what it's done. I, I don't know the future, I'm not a fortune teller. But if it keeps doing what it's doing, you're gonna be about $40,000 when you're 65. Is that good for you? Yeah, that's terrible, I can't retire with that. And maybe it's time to make a move. Does that make sense, right? Now, each of these, these are all the same ages, same amount of money, let's just say 12%. So 72 divided by 12 is six. So instead of my money doubling every 18 years, my money doubles every six years. Look at the difference. That's dramatic, right? Now your bank is never gonna offer you that. Credit card companies will charge you that. Oh my God. More. They'll charge you more than that, right? 
So the rule of 72 can work for you or against you. Why don't they teach financial literacy in, in school? My personal opinion, and I really believe this. I really, really believe this because the system is rigged and we don't want to disrupt a good thing. College is a business, guys. If we stop loaning money to college students, which I feel is criminal. I mean, to, to see a 22-year-old or 25-year-old with $100,000 of debt and not having a good job or no job, I was just like, really, America? Like, how does that make sense? How is that good for society, right? Student loan default will become a crisis in this country. You'll see. Just like the mortgage crisis was in 2008, student loan debt will be a big one. You know, same with credit card. What is the average credit card debt per household right now? 16 G's. Credit card debt is very common here. You know, and so because people don't know about these things, right? So. But where do we get the 12%? That's where you <laughs> learn, my friend. That's what we offer, okay? So great question, right? So here's what we do, right? We, these are the three things that we specialize in here as a, as a company. What is our valuation to society? Like, okay, Carlo, what do you guys do that, and why should anybody care? Because of these three. We teach tax advantages here. We teach the tax game, right? We, there's 77,000 pages in the tax code. We want to teach it, right? Number two is principal protection, which is a valuable, valuable thing. What does that mean? That means we protect people's money here, so if the market goes up, people can make money here, but if the market crashes, they never lose money. What? How is that even possible? And if this is so good, why come everybody's not doing it? Because there's not 5,000 people in this company yet. That's why, right? So that's really what our job is. And anybody in here that's kind of social security, I think you're wrong for doing so. The government does not care about your future. The government cares about their future, right? You know, the government is not for you. If you haven't realized right now, you know, this whole, it's for the people, right? It's bullshit, excuse my language, you know? When people go into office, they, they, they have their agenda, right? This is what we're going to do. You know, think about, I look at the last two presidencies and what they run on, and then once they get into the office, what really happens, right? And I say, you know what? People say, well, what are you going to do if so-and-so gets in office? I'm still going to win. I don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican, right? I'm still going to win because there's always going to be a loophole that you can play. <clears throat> and the thing is that these are the things that we need to learn. And I believe in people. There will be no more Social Security than we give people a guaranteed lifetime income stream than what we do, right? That's a big part of what we do. We're bringing pensions back. Only 4% of companies in the entire country offer their employees' pensions. What is the number one retirement plan in America? 401k. 401k, which was never even designed, right? Mm -hmm. Watch the YouTube, uh, it's a Time uh, Magazine documentary called The Truth About the 401k. It's very enlightening. The Truth About the 401k. Just go to YouTube. Like, whoa, people don't know about that. As I'm sitting with more retirees lately, and they're like, I'm gonna cash out my 401k. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that, why not? It's my money. You think so? What haven't you paid on that 401k yet? Taxes. Taxes. You're gonna pay a lot of income tax. Someone pays 500,000, 
right? In income tax, you're looking at almost three, almost three hundred thousand that will go to Texas. Jeez, crazy, right? But people don't know that, right? So we got to teach people about this. So what we want to teach here is tax advantages, okay? So taxation is potentially the most powerful challenge facing your money. So you earn it, they tax it, right? This is why as a W-2, we are the most heavily taxed population in the world, by the way. Because when you're a W-2 employee, who gets the money first, you or the government? Government. Government does, right? They tax your paycheck, okay? State, federal, FICO, Social Security, Medicare, right? Gone. Right? And when that money comes out of your paycheck, this is why we have, well, I don't get this whole Social Security thing. It's very simple supply and demand. What is the demand for Social Security right now? Very high. Why? Because all of the baby boomers are retiring. They are the majority population. There's 100 million of those who are no longer going to be working. They're going to be depending on the system. But in order for them to depend on the system, there must be some people paying into the system. That's us, through your taxes. So when you see on your paycheck that says FICO, $253, just know that money within the next month is going to somebody's mailbox or direct deposit or whatever you want to call it, right? It's the truth. But what happens when there's more demand than supply? We have social insecurity. Does that make sense? So it's been something, a system that's flawed. When you spend it, they tax it. What's the sales tax here? Depend on the county or depend on, like you're looking at eight, sometimes nine percent. But eight percent is pretty typical. So if I buy for a dollar, and say, oh, this is a dollar. When I go to the register, it's a dollar and eight cents. Right? That's where the city also gets tax money. When you save it, here's where many people don't know they're going to get taxed. And where you save it is very important. And when you die, they also tax you. <laughs> It's called a state tax, right? So there's only three areas, right? So taxable, savings, so these little bubbles, right? We shaded area tax. Savings accounts, money markets, mutual fund CDs. As you put money into these vehicles and they grow, they tax you at every level, right? These are called capital gains taxes. Now, most people are here in tax deferred, which is 401ks, traditional IRS, is it comes out of your gross income of your paycheck and it grows tax-free, so no, no taxes on the contribution and no taxes on the growth. But when do they get you? On the way out. Now raise your hand, right, if you think that taxes will be lower 20 years from now than they are today. So why are we mortgaging our future? We're putting the most output physically right now for the money that we want to experience later to potentially lose control of it and get much back less. Because what if taxes go up to 50%? And I have 100 grand on my 401k, and I need that 100 grand. Well, I'm only getting back 50. Does that put a, a detriment now on my retirement plans? Yes, it does, right? So what we believe is, what if you do tax advantage? Well, what does that mean? Pay the taxes down. How do you do that through your net income? Does that make sense? Now you put it in an after-tax vehicle, like a Roth IRA, or what we do a lot through life insurance. And it grows tax-free, but it comes out 100% tax-free, and you don't have to wait till you're 59 and a half to pull money out, right? If more people knew that, what do you think most people would choose had they got this class? You see my point, right? It's just, it's common sense, it's just not common knowledge. And that's really what we want to teach here, right? These are, look at, these. this is absolutely true, by the way. If you look at the federal marginal income tax rates from 1913 to 2012, 
this is how they got it. Imagine if we can go back to paying 7%. But look what happened in 1918. That was the federal income tax rate. What's the federal income tax rate right now? 28. For the top income bracket, what is it? It's like 39.7, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Right? <laughs> so we're paying the smallest share of taxes, you know, for, from a long time. But look at it. Why 77% of taxes in 1918? What happened in 1918 in World War I? Back then, it was your patriotic duty to give most of your paycheck to the government so they can build more tanks and bullets and airplanes. No question. Yeah. So what would your advice be to, like, say, a 28 or 30-year-old kid that's been paying into their 401k since they were 21 because they started working at Bonds or whatever? Like, but then they come and sit in this class, would they, would they cash out the 401k and then bring that to you? Or do you guys do something different? It all depends. Now, the truth of that is this. Are they matching you? Okay. Does your employer match you? Oh, yeah, for they match me up to 4%. So if I put 4% give me 4%, then you should get that 401k, because that's free money. But I do question someone's like, well, they're matching me at 4%, but I'm putting in 15. Don't put in 15. Mm -hmm. All right, just put it to that 4. Well, what should I do with that difference? Put it in a tax advantage strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's free money, okay? But just know you're still gonna pay tax on it, but it's free money. It's money that wasn't yours to begin with, mm -hmm. right? So I'd rather pay tax on someone else's money than just my own. Make sense? Yeah. Why does the employer do that? Because that's a tax deduction to the employer, right? So we'll go more into that stuff. It was pretty thank you. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. So if you look at every year before World War, look at 1944, 94% was the federal income tax bracket. Why? World War II. We were fighting the Japanese and the Germans, you know? 1968, what war was that? Vietnam, right? And so this is kind of where we're at, right? Now we went to 39.6, dropped down to 35, now we're back around 39.6. Okay, now we should be at around the 20s now with the new tax reform. The yeah, there's so, it, but the, so the truth of that, we, we learned this from Professor Hampton who was coaching us, the, it was to, it, it, did, it really did benefit people that had a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? 20% was to benefit corporations. Mm -hmm. Corporate taxes whoosh, dropped significantly, mm -hmm. which I'll be honest, is a good thing for business. Okay, but not a good thing for the common person, right? The common W-2 employee does not have that benefit, right? You know, we're 1099, right? You know, we still, we're st we're, so for many people, they're like, well, I'm making, you know, if you're making $100,000 in San Diego, California, you're just broker at a higher tax bracket, right? That's it, you know, and so it does benefit, so we still have to learn ways to play with the game. We want to give people the options, okay? So we, we give people fixed low rate. You, these are the three options you have. No, we don't do this. This is what society offers. Fixed low rate of return, that's banks. So what, what, what options do clients have? This is all that, if you look at it simply, this is it. You can go to your bank and open a CD or a money market or an IRA, but typically like, I don't want to lose anything. The problem with that is what happens is that you get a fixed low rate of return. Does that make sense? Is that if you're, if the cost of living is growing to close to 4% inflation, but my CD is only paying me 1% because I have security, am I still losing money? The answer is yes, right? Is my money is losing buying power, right? Now, what does the bank do with that money? They just flip it and put it into more loans and credit cards at a higher interest rate. That's all that they're doing. 
So we know that doesn't work. Now, what is the downside of this? Is that I can make money if the stock market goes up, but I could also lose money if the stock market crashes. So we do index strategies here, okay? And so this is why you get a license here. What you're offering is we help people make money if the market goes up, but if the market should crash, we lock in their money. All right? Lock in what? Lock in the gain and lock in the interest, right? So I'll show you, okay? Let me skip this, I'll go back to this, right? This is what we do. So we do what we call index strategies, right? We do this through a life insurance vehicle called Index Universal Life. Why life insurance? Because of the tax codes, right? 7702 of the tax code and sections 101 of the tax code. Right? This has been a loophole for wealthy people for a long time. If you make a certain amount of money, you don't get a you don't get a Roth IRA. This is the truth. Will there always be a tax loophole for wealthy people? Yeah, of course. Right? And it's been life insurance. Because there's no limit to what you can put in. So we work with thirty companies out there, very wealthy companies who always focus on the top two percent of our society. All we said is let's take those top two percent and let's focus on middle class. So let's bring Wall Street to Main Street and let's give them the same opportunities. They don't have two hundred thousand dollars to invest, but they can start at two hundred bucks a month. But what's the benefit of that is in the index strategy, if the market, you have a cap at a, right now at 11.75%. So it's about almost close to 12. Make sense? So if the market is 26, you're not going to get 26. Which could be seen as a con for someone that wants that. Well, I want the 26%. I want you to have 26% too, but you're only going to get close to 12. 1999, 19.53, you get the cap. However, 2000, 2002, negative 10, negative 13, negative 23, you simply get a zero. Right? And so for middle class America, we have benefited by saying you get the benefits of the bank with the benefits of the stock market in a certain range. That's really valuable, guys, right? This is what we do every single day for business owners, for individuals, for families. We, we package this with many different types of products, whether it's for teachers, whether it's for a business owner, whether it's for an individual, but they all in a nutshell do the same thing. Okay. So indexing is our forte here. It's what we do. Is this valuable? Mm -hmm. Right? Look at the, what the market did in, in 2008. Our clients lose a zero. You know, and so this is revolutionary new. When did this come out, indexing? About late 90s. It didn't start becoming a thing because the market was really good. Right? It started really growing big after the 2008 market crash when people lost a lot. Good question. So what is it? Is it like a retirement type fund where you put money into it and you can't take it out until you retire? Or is it more of a, an investment, a general type invest, investment? Great question. It's both. So it is an investment that is tied to the S&P 500 index. Okay. Right? So Standard & Poor's 500, which are the top 500 companies that trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Okay. And that's, so number one, it is an investment tied to the market. Mm -hmm. Okay, number two, right, it is a retirement plan. So we don't do short-term investments here like stocks and mutual funds, right, not like index funds. We do things that are tied to long-term. We do it all through a life insurance license only. So we don't do investment licenses here, like a Series 6 or a Series 7, right? Well, how is that so, right? Because with indexing, your money is tied to the market, but it's not in the market. 
How does that work? That's a whole other class, right? And how it works is actually through something called the options market, right? So if you've heard of options before, right? Like call options and put options, it's a whole different type. Basically, options are insurance for your money. That's all options are. So what insurance companies have done is bought options on, on our clients' money so that they can earn a certain amount of money and the market goes up and never lose a dime and the market crashes. So right now for a baby boomer, that's very valuable. Because a baby boomer right now is like, I, Carlo, I got 500,000 in my 401k. They're not thinking about what's my performance gonna be 10 years from now when I'm 75. I don't care about 75, Carlo. I need to start taking this money out now, right? And how long is it gonna last me? So the financial service industry has always sold performance. But when you're about to use money, you don't care about performance, you care about distribution. Does that make sense? How do I pull this money out? How long is it gonna last me? What happens if the market crashes? What happens if I die, who gets it? Those are the questions that 100 million people are asking right now. Right? And there's 10,000 boomers turning 65 every day right now. Jeez. Every day right now. And they don't care about their Edward Jones accounts anymore. They care about, I've reached the finish line. How do I pull it out now? That's where we come in. Right? That's where we come in. But we also want to give people accumulation as well. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So look at the five-year average at the bottom. So this is the traditional market. This is the actual S&P, 13%, right? This is what we've done, 8.79. Okay, not bad, right? Is that better than 0.2% in sales account? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, right? This is what you get to offer people, right? These are actual stats. This is good, right? And so when it comes down to that, look, is this is a life insurance product that is tied, right, to uh, the S&P 500, but why we're doing this because remember I told you tax advantages, right? So the benefit of this is that when they pull this money out, it's gonna be tax free, okay? Principal protection, I could earn up to 11.75 with a floor of zero, never a negative year, and then lifetime income. So we run an illustration of about 6.85%, even though it's done 8.79. We wanna be, be really, really as methodical and realistic as possible. So if somebody put $270,000 away, let's say over 30 years, what does that mean? We're looking at about 565,000. If they want to, they can do a lifetime income, turn this on as a pension, that they're gonna get a guaranteed paycheck every year, every month, for the rest of their life. And if we do it right, it's 100% tax-free. Wow. Once they retired. Yep. Yes. Tax-free. Does that make sense? Great for someone who's 18 and wants to start a savings account. So if someone put 270000 over 30 years, and in the first 10 years, they already pulled out 100000 more, but it's all tax-free. Now, let's say they die at 84, right? They pulled out 740000 but they still pass on $350,000 in a death benefit to their beneficiaries, 100% tax-free. I think that's pretty valuable. I really do, you know? And it also has living benefits, right? So living benefits means it's life insurance, they don't have to die to use it. So how good would it be is, who knows someone that's ever had cancer, heart attack, stroke, right? Well, if people have a policy, they have to die to use those monies. Now they don't have to die to use it. So if they ever had a terminal illness, let's say at 65, you can take out 732,000 of this money tax-free to use for whatever reason, even while still living. If you're at a chronic illness, biggest one is cancer, this shows that the amount of money that he can take for 50 months 
for whatever reason he wants, right? It's pretty powerful. A critical illness or critical injury is heart attack, stroke, or like a traumatic brain injury from, say, a really bad car accident. And let's say it's a severe stroke and he's 60 years old, you can take out 627,000. So you'd be amazed at how much medical debt gets people in trouble because of an illness that no, that wasn't expected. The bills don't need to be paid. You know, so those living benefits are huge. So those are the three steps approach. So what we do, right, is if somebody dies too soon, that's what we do with life insurance. If somebody gets sick while they're in the accumulation years of their life and they can't work, they can pull money out tax-free. Those were those living benefits I just showed you. But if I don't die and I don't get sick, shouldn't I get my money back? That's not $37,000 a year tax-free for life. And it's all because <coughs> they're paying their taxes up front versus at the end. This guy started with 500 bucks a month. So what if I want to do an early withdrawal, so prior to retirement? Can't, do we have that option? Is you do. it a penalty? You do. You can be a penalty depending on how you pull it out, right? Because there is some capital gains that could happen, but if we do it and you plan it right, you're going to do it 100% tax-free. So I have to show you that kind of a customized one, right? But you don't have to wait till you're 59 and a half, okay, to answer your question through. What's the retirement age right now? 65. <coughs> so going to this, now we also do rollovers, right? Rollovers are a big part of what we do because when people retire, they have 401ks and IRAs. That's traditionally what most people have. What is the average right now that you think most middle class people have in their 401ks and IRAs? 50 to 100,000. That's very typical. How far does that get you these days? <laughs> a year. Not to the promised land. Six months. For most of your retired clients, what their biggest retirement income is going to be their Social Security, which in this which in this city is about twelve hundred bucks a month. Okay, how far does that get you? All right. This is why you're starting to see more people. You'll it'll become more of an epidemic between two thousand twenty and thirty. The retirement crisis because people don't have enough. Right now in Northern California, guys, San Jose, San Francisco, rents are crazy. To rent right now in San Jose, a three bedroom, two bath house, you're paying about 3,500 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Sometimes even more depending on the area. Is that going to happen here? Probably so, it's gonna happen. The cost of living is just gonna continue to do this. Why? Because of inflation, it's just a matter of time. So, like Mexico, the middle class is being quietly disseminated. And we're becoming a country of haves and have-nots. There is no have-some. The middle class is very important to society because it represents the bridge. That's what makes America so great, because when you have a strong middle class, that means I can start here with nothing and cross the bridge into wherever I want to be, right? Once that middle class is cut off and you have, you know, you have a, a few you know, haves and a ton of have-nots, people become easily exploited, easily, because only if you have the control. You know, who's ever heard of the golden rule? All right, I was like, well, treat other people like you want to be treated, it was one way, but when you look at it politically, the golden rule was he who has the gold makes the rules, right? <coughs> That's what the truth is. So entrepreneurship is you subject yourself from that power, right? is you take the power yourself. Being an entrepreneur is creating your own ecosystem, right? It's like, I understand the, how capitalism works, and you can go and create it. It's very counterculture, 
vary, right? But most people are becoming entrepreneurs out of necessity, not so much out of desire anymore. Why? Because I, I did everything they told me to do, Carlo. I got the degrees. I got the job in corporate America at a good company. Then why do you want to leave? Because I'm still not free. I'm still in debt. I'm still struggling. You see my point? Right? And so this is it. Now, the solution, though, to be an entrepreneur is what, can you, what solutions you give. So this is a $350,000 rollover of a 401k. Okay? Now, why did he roll it over? Because I don't want to lose a dime of this money. Right? Principal protection, remember? Right? So the tax attorney, so we said, let's roll over. This used to be a 401k that we rolled over into an IRA index annuity, which is worst case scenario, he's not going to earn anything because the market said did negative years. So it's still going to be 350000 Now, there's this roll-up rate that's guaranteed for 10 years as 3% and then contraction never to go below 1%. So we say, look, just what I can tell you right now, come hell or high water, this is what you're going to get. Right? Now, if the market does better, great. I just want to do the guarantees. This is the guarantees I flat out right now. So if you're 51 by 65, you still have 350000 However, you see this 489? Yeah, is that my money? Nope, this is your money. Then what's that? This is to guarantee you an income stream. So you're going to get about 5.5% of this number, which is going to give you 26921 every year for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. So we're going to turn your 401k into a pension. Wow. So what happened, so as I started pulling that money out, it actually comes out of my actual account. But I end up running out of money at age 77. Now, who thinks that most people are going to live longer than what they think? Yeah. Yes. Healthcare. Right? And so that's what people want. They want security because even when the money runs out at age 77, I'm still going to get that money every year for the rest of my life. So where does that money come from when your accounts dry? Why do people have pensions? Where does that money come from? Anytime you retire from a company and they allow you to put your money into a pension, that's called an annuity. Who controls annuities? Insurance companies do. This is what insurance companies have been doing for eons. Anytime someone says, I work with a company with a pension, it's because they have an annuity with that company. A pension is just another word for annuity. The lottery, which is, I don't know who won the lottery yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Okay. But it's crazy, the psychology, right? <clears throat> and I went to 7-Eleven because I had to pick up something for my, my wife. I said, go, can you go to 7-Eleven and pick this up? And I went there, and it was like crazy. There was a line like four stores down. Wow. I was like, what is going on here? There are people bickering. And I was like, oh, the lottery. Right? Whenever you find yourself inside the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Right? These guys were fighting at the register because somebody paid $100 a lottery ticket, so I was punching them all in, taking everybody's time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he lost. And he lost. For the $650 million or whatever it was, right? Million. 900 million. No one won. It's 1.6 now. Again, microwave mentality, uh, right? That's incredible. So, you see what I'm saying? So that, that money after the account's been tapped is coming from the insurance companies now? Yep. Guaranteed based on the contract from a very reputable, these ain't mom and pop shop, these are billion dollar companies. That's wild. Right? So does that benefit society? Absolutely. So remember what I told you, three things. Tax advantages, principal protection, guaranteed lifetime income. That is what we do here in every way, shape, or form. For business owners, for teachers, for individuals. Mm -hmm. Does that have a place in society? Mm -hmm. I don't say that we're the end all be all, 
So, Carl, you're telling me you stop all my investments in the stock market and put them on here? Didn't say that. What I, what I do believe you should do, Aaron, is do something that's going to give you a guaranteed income stream for life. So maybe you have $2 million. How much money do you need per month? I need about 6000 or 10000 Let's just roll over the portion that's going to give you the guaranteed 10000 for the rest of your life. And you can go let it ride with the rest of the stuff, but that's no guarantee, just so you know. Never risk more than you're willing to lose. I offer you guarantees. Because uh, in the stock market, when you, if your money's tied up there, or if, you're, if that's what you're playing, if the, con or if the economy crashes, you lose, right? Mm -hmm. That's wild. Yeah, buddy. And you think the market's going to crash again? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, right? People have more to lose, and they don't want to lose. So when you give people peace of mind with security and guarantees, they're going to like that. You know, so I got a few more things. I want to create a, create a quick uh, two-minute break. I know you guys got to go, right? Um, did you get value from this? Oh yeah, man! Right, so you bring my whole family, right? All 110 of us. So you see what we offer now, right? You know, so you're gonna have more questions, and for you, this is what we thought. Like, don't quit what you're doing. Just supplement it with yeah. more value. Right? When you get to the business owner, it's like, look, I can save you more on taxes, and well, where am I going to put that money at is, let's get you a pension so you don't lose any money. But what if I lose it the market, but you don't lose it? Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't worry about that. Oh, thank you so much. So, all right, let's go to a two-minute break. So, I wanted to share um, a few things with you guys. All right. So, I want you guys to know, obviously, the, the, the three types of coverage that we do here, right, when it comes you're going to do term, full life, and, and, and universal, okay? Now, there's two, There's only two types of insurance. There's term, and then there's permanent, mm -hmm. right? You get, what, what's, what's the difference just based on those names? Term is limited and doesn't last forever. Yeah, term is exactly what it means for a certain term. Mm -hmm. And well, how much term, right? It's temporary. It's 10, 15, 20, and 30 year terms, depending on their age and their health. Um, you're renting insurance, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's like the equivalent of renting a house versus owning it. When you're renting, you're paying the mortgage for somebody else. Okay, or, or if someone else has paid off, you're paying them cash. There's no cash value, right? So when you own a house, when you go from renting to owning, you're gonna pay more. Because now, you now you're responsible for the taxes and insurance. Same thing when you do a permanent plan. Um, but why do we offer term? When should you offer term to somebody? When someone has a mortgage, like 500000 Yeah, but, what, but what's the biggest reason? Though? But yeah, that's one of them. The biggest reason you're ever going to offer term is why we think everybody should at least have a term policy For is because it's inexpensive. Mm -hmm. I've, I can give someone a term policy between 20 30 40 bucks. So be covered, right? That's why everyone can be your client. Because you, not only do you give them a term, but you give them a term with living benefits. And you can convert that term, right, into a permanent plan. So I'm gonna go back to the slide, just I'm gonna give you guys an example. Would they still have the same $100,000 coverage if they turn it over to a term? A no, term? okay. So I didn't illustrate that, but here's a 35-year-old male, non-smoker. For 48 bucks, gets 500,000 and still has the living benefits. So it builds no cash value, it's just the cost of insurance. Mm -hmm. But for 20 years, right, it's locked in. Does that make sense? So 
you might have a 35 year old client says, you know what, I have, I'm married, I have a family, like, man, I really want an IUL, but what's a, what's an IUL makes sense for me? Oh, you're getting about two to three hundred bucks, I can't afford that. Right, I'm, I'm kind of just getting on my feet, I'm in between jobs, or I'm, you know, I'm, well, you do need the coverage, man, because you're married, you're the, you're the breadwinner. So why don't we start a, a, a term policy for 48 bucks? And once you lock in at that rate, right, so if it's 20 years, right, write this down. So I'll show you our term conversions, okay? So if they have a 20 year term, they can convert it up to 15 years to a permanent plan. What does that mean? What that means is I can convert my term into an IUL. So another analogy would be is like, you're renting your apartment and you've been paying the same payment and in 15 years you can convert it to ownership now. Now you own the house. Now you're paying the mortgage on it. So do you have the money that you invested? No. Okay, so. Okay, you don't. <laughs> Cash value, okay. Okay. I wish, right? Yeah. I don't know work that way. But what's the benefit of doing that? Because when I convert it, I have up to 15 years, I don't have to provide insurability. So let's say I got the 20 term, I'm healthy right now, but 10 years into this, I got diabetes, right? Or I'm a cancer survivor, I didn't die, but you know, I still have that policy. But man, like, no one's gonna insure, when, when this is over at 20 years, no one's gonna insure me again. Well, convert it to a permanent plan, but are they gonna insure me? Absolutely. You're guaranteed to convert to a permanent plan with no insurability. Same coverage. You can, and you can't just extend it to another term life, or no? No. No, it has to be. Convinced. You can, but you're going to now have Go to re-qualify, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to have to check your, your blood, urine, right? And your premiums will skyrocket. Mm -hmm. But I can convert it to permanent. So does it have to be 500000 No, I can convert it to a $250,000 IUL from a $500,000 term. I can't get any more unless I re-qualify, but I can get the equal amount or less in permanent coverage mm -hmm. up to 15 years. Pretty cool? Mm -hmm. Right, so this case is, is huge, right? And so if someone, you can get a 10 year term, 15 year, 20 year, or 30 year. And they're very, very affordable, right? So when someone says, look, I can't, I can't do the IOLs, I can just get covered, at least get something. And I'm big on that. But if it's the cheapest, but check this out. Only two to 3% actually ever pay out. Mm -hmm. This is why insurance companies make a lot of money, guys. Why? Because think about it, if you have, you know, uh, 500,000 clients that have term policies and they're all paying 50 bucks and 100 bucks a month, you know, they only have to pay two to three percent of that out because the chances of you dying in that 20 or 30 year term are very minimal. Mm, wow. And you don't get that money back. It's kind of like car insurance, mm. right? You pay your car, you know, the reason most people pay car insurance, right, is because it's law. Yeah. yeah. I promise you that if it wasn't on people like I get it. Yeah. And it's better not to follow your claim when you do get in a small crash when you have insurance because you're gonna yeah. shoot your payment up. Yeah. yeah. So but do, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So big thing I want you to get is that you can convert it. Now we do whole life, very rarely but we do. Now whole life is a permanent, right? It's the most oldest type of life insurance there is in the permanent category. Okay? Um, it's a fixed premium, okay? The death benefit doesn't change, 
right? You get a fixed premium. The cash value, right, it's like buying a house, right? Because when you buy a house, you're paying the taxes and insurance on top of the mortgage payment. But what do we get in a house? If I bought a house for 200000 I'm hoping that when I pay it off, it's going to be worth 600000 mm -hmm. So that $400,000 of equity, right? So that's what it is here. Now, that cash value account in a whole life is a fixed interest rate. Okay, so you got to understand that, right? So in insurance, you have, in permanent, you have um, cost of insurance, and then you have the cash value accounts, okay? So the cost of insurance, so let's say if someone's like, well, Carl, I'm putting, uh, you know, 500 bucks away into a $500,000 whole life policy, right? Well, maybe out of that, let's just say, 250 depending on how you are qualified if you're an average health maybe 200 to 250 that is going to pay for that policy and the rest of that money is going towards the cash value account and in a whole life you're looking right now you're looking at a fixed five percent interest rate so if the market goes up you're going to get five percent but if the market crashes you're going to get five percent does that make sense it doesn't change right that's whole life whole life right it's whole life. It's fixed. So some people like that. Some people are like, well, I like something that never changes because an index, I can earn up to 11.75%, which I would like that, but if the market does negative, I'm going to get zero that year. Mm -hmm. Well, 5% is better than zero. Right? So it's a fixed amount. But the biggest thing is that it's also the most expensive and you got to pay for your whole life. That's why it's called whole life. Mm -hmm. Right? There's no flexibility. You're fixed on those premium payments, right? So if you're paying 500 bucks, you're gonna pay 500 bucks a month, okay? We do universal, which is what's our what's our flagship product? Universal life index. Yeah. What does the index mean? That it stays, it doesn't ever go down. There you go. So index means it's tied to what? The S&P 500. You go through, right? S&P 500 index, right? Which is what is the S&P 500 index? The top 500 companies that trade on the stock market. Hence the name indexed, universal. Universal, right? This is the primary difference between whole life and universal. So look at the death benefit in universal. As the cash value goes up, so does your death benefit go up, right? You're limited here because it doesn't go up in a whole life, mm. right? So that's the whole point in a whole life is to put as much cash because at some point, I'm not going to be paying premiums when I'm 80 in a whole life because I'm not working anymore. So I'm going to pay that cash value and then when I stop working at 65 or 70, that cash value is going to fund my policy for me, the premium payments. But an IUL, as I can start off with a low amount and as my cash value grows, the corridor or the death benefit also goes up, right? So it's flexible, it's changeable, hence the name universal. What does universal mean, right? It's, it means it's very flexible, okay? So I want you guys to, we're breaking down index, universal, it's life insurance, right? Again, like buying a house, you pay for 20, 25 years, cash value goes two to 9%, moderate cost is very flexible in the way that we can put a premium together, which is why our number one flagship product is IUL. So you're gonna get, you know, you'll, you'll get different agents out there from different companies like a Mass Mutual, and Northwestern Mutual, New York Life, they do not offer index products. They will badmouth your index product, right? Why? Because I have to, because all I do is whole life. 
right? So I need to win here, right? But those companies do a really good job at training products, right? So companies like ours in the past do a really good job at training people how to recruit. And we need to do, right, we still need to learn how to build an agency, but more importantly, you need to know your products, right? And I want you to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the solid New York Life agent and be like, dude, right? Because I can close a client and says, well, what your New York Life agent is going to offer you is that 5% fixed, right? Well, I like that. Okay, well, I can offer you that too, but except mine has living benefits. Oh. I just close the whole life, baby. Right? <laughs> See my point? So I don't have to be like, no, don't do whole life, do I, you will. Well, no, I like the whole life. Okay. Does, do they offer you uh, living benefits? No, they don't. What if I can give you a whole life the same that the New York Life Agent is offering you, but I'm going to give you living benefits as well? I say you got a deal, my friend. Right? Can you break the IUL down like that? Like same how, thing. That's what I was wondering. Like how much of the $500 a month that they're putting into it does it, does it turn into a cash value? How it's typically, it right? So great question. Um, it's typically, you're looking at a standard non-tobacco like Someone in average health, right? You're looking at almost 40-60, sometimes even 50-50. It's pricey, man, right? So what you're paying for is long-term. Insurance comes, so out of say it's 500, you're looking at 200 to 250 going towards cost, right? And the rest is going towards cash value, Yeah. okay? But I'm only going to do that if their intention is to raise more contribution later because once that cost is set, my cost is not going to go above that, mm -hmm. right? Same way, so once my cost is set, so if I'm paying 250 for a cost, right, out of my 500, I know only half of my money is going towards that cash value account. Yeah. Right now, maybe they need the coverage, maybe they don't. I can also do minimum death benefit to give them the most amount of cash, right? But then that becomes their ceiling. Now, if this sounds like Chinese, we'll, we'll go through more scenarios. It does. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's all about, I guess my point, it's all about structure. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And the client that you're helping. And the client. But typically I get people wiggle room to put in more. Because the whole point of an IUL is if someone's like, Carl, I'm only going to do 200 bucks a month, then I'm going to put you at a level premium versus increasing. But I always have to tell that client, you know, 100 bucks or 200 bucks, that gets you started. It don't take you to the promised land. Right? You're going to have to increase your contribution. You want to get, here's the goal. You want to get a client, especially younger, 25 to, you know, age 40, you want to get them to put at least a quarter million dollars away in their, in their accumulation years of their life. How much would that be a month and how much would that be, how many years is that? You're looking, that's going to be, well, depending, I mean, break that down. You know, so if you got, let's just say someone that's 35, mid-range there, and they want to retire in 30 years, what's a quarter mil divided by 30 years? Do that on your phone. Seven thousand one hundred forty-two. Right per year. year? What's 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 seven hundred forty-two divided by twelve? Five ninety-five. In reality, you have to put away ten percent of your income for mm -hmm. retirement. So you're making, which average should be making five thousand dollars. Let me tell you something that's going to happen that's going to benefit us, especially Generation Xers like mine and the Millennials. Because once they see that their parents can't retire, they're like, oh my 
God, like my dad worked his ass off and he can't retire. Oh shit, we need to do something, babe. Right? I don't know. I want to end up like that, mm-hmm. right? Because they didn't save money, right? They're going to become fanatical towards you and be like, okay, we, yeah. I saw mm-hmm. the ramifications of not doing this. What do we have to do so that we don't end up like that? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to put away money, man. Yeah, because look, Social Security's gone, or you know, the government's falling apart, right? What can I count on for me and my family to make sure that we have security and a check and stability, right? They're going to come for that. Mm-hmm. This is why our value is going to grow position-wise, because you're dealing with something that's guaranteed. And at the end of the day, that's what people want. Like, look, I get speculation and I want to make money in the market, but at the end of the day, I need to know what could I count on, man. Like, don't bullshit me, man. Like, can, is this something that's going to be for real for me? Because I need to know that it's going to be there. I don't want to speculate, like, hopefully, if the market does what it's done, it should be this. Well, I don't want to deal with that. And that's what you'll be able to do for teachers because when I go to a teacher and it's like, well, I have Foresters or I have this company or AXA, I'm like, have you lost money in 4.3B? Yeah. How old are you? 58. It's a risk, right? What if we roll that money into an index, right? 403B. Well, what's the benefit of that? The market goes up, you make money, but the market crash, you don't lose anything, you're going to get a guaranteed paycheck for the rest of your life. I like that. That gives me peace of mind, mm-hmm. right? All day. Is indexing only through life insurance? Mm-hmm. So you couldn't index with, without life insurance? Well, you, you could, but yeah, it's only done through life insurance companies, which is obviously you have to have a life insurance mm-hmm. license, which is why a traditional financial advisor will probably knock it, right? Yeah. And so this is the thing about our industry that you're learning is that financial advisors do not sit in classes like this to say, look, let me tell you guys what insurance agents are doing out there, right? We do because they are the majority and they have been around, that way of thinking has been around for eons. So you must learn how they think even though they don't know how you think. So we have an unfair advantage where like, I know your game and I know mine, but you don't know mine. Right? So what if a financial advisor says, all right, you're about to put 50, 500 bucks in a IUL. Mm-hmm. What if you just did a term policy at 50 bucks a month that you're still gonna get uh, the benefit of if you die, and then the 450 bucks we throw that in. Uh, Stocks and mutual funds, or like if they can do, they can't do an index. No, mm-hmm. like or the safest, the most moderate. They can. They can. Yeah. So let me go back to that. So check this out. This is how I do with Primerica. Say, so look, this is what Primerica does. Primerica would do exactly that. Yeah. Primerica would say, okay, look, how much coverage are you getting in your uh, uh, two hundred fifty dollar IU investment? I have two hundred fifty thousand dollars coverage and I'm gonna have a tax free retirement. Okay, let me tell you what I can do for you, Anthony. With that 250 bucks that you're paying for your $250 coverage, I can give you three times more coverage in a, in a 20 to 30 year term policy. Oh, that's awesome. And that's only gonna be uh, half of what you're paying now. And the rest of the money, I'm gonna put it here in uh, mutual funds, right? Or stocks, either in the IRA or mutual funds, right? And you're gonna earn anywhere between 12% if not more. Okay, so what's the benefit? Of, what's the benefit of that is now someone has more coverage, but what's the downside of a term? Some term. Exactly. So you don't talk about that because that doesn't serve my purpose. Yeah. So I can make anything look better than what it is, right? My point is, does it fit that person? I'm not a. I'm not against buy term and invest the difference, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't give me a guarantee <laughs> at all. So that's what I deal with with a client. I said, look. I don't talk smack, don't ever talk smack about another company. It just makes you look bad. 
let your product speak for itself. I was like, look, I get the, you know, if you want speculation, then go do that. But if you want guarantees, then look with me because I deal with guarantees. Right? That's all I'm saying. And most people, they're like, I want it for sure. Yeah. I want to know that I am going to be able to retire, not that I hope I can. Right? Do you know what the market would be in 2038? No. Nobody does. Most people can't afford. But the concept we're told, they can't afford outside of the. No, they can't. But do I never knock, you know, investing? No, I don't. But I just think we deal with guarantees, right? So that's our play. That's our role, right? Tax advantages. Right, principal protection and guaranteed lifetime income. That's really what we're offering then. You know? Does that make sense? Great question though. Mm -hmm. So now you kind of get the differences between between these. Now, this is a cool slide in understanding the four phases of retirement. Right? Write this down because this is cool. You have the contribution phase, okay, which is what is a contribution phase? You're working, right? I'm working, I'm being paid by the hour, I'm grinding, and I take a little bit of my money, and I put it away for the long term. Okay, that's the contribution phase. Now, when you look at IUL, compared to most other investments, let's look at a 401k or IRA, right? Is the contribution phase tax favored in a 401k and IRA? Why? Because you're not paying taxes right there. You see what I'm saying? So, what are the benefits of a what are the benefits of an IRA? So if I'm making a hundred thousand a year, and I max fund my four hundred one k, I'm not paying taxes on hundred thousand a year. I'm only paying taxes on seventy eight thousand a year because yeah. I max funded it, right? So my taxes go down. So it's tax favored. If I did an IRA, which what does IRA stand for? Individual retirement account. There you go, right? Individual retirement account. I'm putting after tax dollars from my paycheck, from my from my checking account, but I get to deduct those taxes. So what is the max you can do if you're under 50? $5,500 a year. So if I'm making 50,000 a year, I get to deduct that 5,500 and only pay taxes on 44,500 to the IRS. So it's tax favored. Now is it tax favored in the IUL? No, why? Because I'm contributing after tax dollars that I don't get a tax write off on. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Now in the accumulation phase, IRAs, 401ks, do they grow tax deferred? Yes, they do. So there's no taxes on the growth. In the IUL, it also grows tax deferred, so no taxes on the growth. Now, on the withdrawal, this is where we're in, right? The distribution phase. At what age do I have to be to pull money out of my IRA 401k? 55. 59 and a half. All right? Really important for you to know that, right? 59 and a half. Because people ask you that when can I pull my money out. A lot of people that have IRAs and 401ks don't even know that. All right? 59 and a half. Now, am I paying taxes? Yes. At what rate? They're gonna ask you. Shit, your guess is as good as mine, man. How many years do you plan on retiring from now? 15, 20, 30? Who knows? That's about 10 presidents from now, right? But here, I can tell you right now in the IUL, it's tax advantage, tax free, right? The transfer, if I transfer my 401k or IRA to say my children, do they have to pay taxes on it? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do, right? If I transfer it to a spouse, 401k IRA, do I have to pay taxes on it? I don't think you do, no, no you don't. I think to spousal transfers or non-taxed, right? I believe. Unless they're not resident, they're not U.S. citizens. Oh, see, I didn't know that, right? Okay, but if you give it to kids, they have to pay tax. Now, transfer on death, right, in the IUL, always 100% tax-free. 
Why? Because it's life insurance. That's the benefit of life insurance. Does that make sense? So does it make sense to defer taxes and possibly pay more later? No. So this is what we do, right? So these are the four pillars, right, of IUL. Safety and liquidity. The safety is we have a floor of what? Zero, right? What does liquidity mean? can take it out easily. There you go, accessibility. So you can access money in a short amount of time, even after a couple of years, right? That's huge. Tax-free growth, tax-free distribution. That's another strong pillar. Participation market gains, but not loss losses. Automatic system of blocking in the previous year gains. So if I had 100,000 that earned 10%, right? I now have 110,000. If the next year the market is negative, I'm earning 0% on 110,000. Does that make sense? So you lock in those gains. And these are the tax codes that tell you that it's possible, okay? And what happens when we can't offer a client life insurance, right? Because they're too old, because it's too pricey. Final expense, right? So you got, you know, Isaac did a final expense policy for a 70-year-old, right? This is for a 68-year-old, like, well, it's too costly, even a term policy. No insurance company is going to give a 60-year-old 20 years, maybe a 10, maybe even 15. But they're going to pay for it, right? And they're going to pay a lot. But if it's too pricey, this is for um, a 60-year-old non-smoker, right? We have access to these companies. Let's just say at 15,000. So what, is the, what does final expense mean? Provide the insurance that you're going to get before you die. It's basically just to cover my final expenses, right. which is my burial piece. I just don't want to be a burden to my family. Look, I can't. I can't. I'd love to have fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars of life insurance. And I've become more of a believer in life insurance only because of dealing with older clients who always tell me I should have did this when I was younger. Right? Because I can't get it now because I'm diabetic now, or I'm overweight now, or I'm. I'm I, I can't be insured, but now I really need it. Mm -hmm. See, when you're younger, this is a psychology. We think we're gonna live forever. Right? People that are this age, they're very conscious of their mortality. They're like, you know what, I know that I need, I want to leave something behind, right? And that's why permanent insurance has a place because if a permanent insurance policy, the reason you get it because you know at someday you're going to die. And at someday I do want to leave something. Now if, if I don't die, I can get some of that money back, but I still leave something. A term policy only covers me during my working years or my mortgage or whatever. Make sense? This is what somebody would pay in those kinds of policies. That's affordable for people. So think of people that are uninsurable, that are older. So you can say, man, I couldn't cover this with my grandma or someone so was older, you know, because they were 68, 70. Yes, you can, right? Can you do IULs for children? Yes, you can, right? How soon can you start an IUL for a child? Two weeks old, right? So there's, I mean, there's virtually, you can help everybody, guys. Right? You can help everybody. So we'll do more plans. Like, what's the difference between a five hundred plan and I? Like, I is really good. Once I've, I've been doing this now a few years. You know, it works really well. So, questions. So this is going to be our ABC class. Um, I think you know this is more. Of our, I, I do want to add more um, of our product lines, like a four hundred three B and things like that. But they're all going to be index annuities. Same. So I want you to understand, it's all that we are an index annuity and index universal life company. Okay. Everything else pivots around that foundation.
right? Because it's virtually you can help a lot of people with that. Well, was this valuable? Mm -hmm. Good. What do you guys get from today? It was good seeing it again. Repetition. No. So what I'm going to be presenting as well. Yeah. So I want you to know. Yeah, it's good. You know, like I said, it's we are. It's there's. We, I I want to get away from always like giving you guys new information. The new information you're going to get is mostly going to be on mindset, right? And maybe on different, but it's always going to be on these product lines because you can, how are they interchangeable with certain case scenarios, right? Doing more case studies that we have to do, right? Like I want, one right now, I'm working on, what would you guys do? Check this out. I'll let you guys go after this. This is a client that I'm working on in Yuma, Arizona. So keep in mind, this is his account right now in his IRA. It's 43000 okay, in an IRA in the stock market that he's lost money in. And this is his management fee per quarter, 500 bucks a quarter, right? Which is how much per year? 2000 for his advisor to manage that 43000 Wow. Okay? He is 60 years old, okay? 60, and he wants to retire by 67. And that's his retirement right now. He's a business owner, right? He's a physical therapist who makes close to this per year. And he only has that? Yes. And here's why. He's terrible with his money and he still has $113,000 to sit on there. Well, that's 200 or seven? 200,000. Oh, okay, okay. Oh my God. Okay, uh, kids to see it. His kids are all grown. I was trying to him, right? But he makes good money, right? And he always called on terrible business hunters are terrible with their money. Yeah. Want you know that, right? Yeah. Okay. Habits. He needs to change his habits. Yeah. Right. So, what can we do for him based on what we do? Roll it over to index annuity and have him start putting a lot more money in each month. So he has an S-Corp, like this out, guys, right? So based on our bag of tricks, what can we do for him? What's an S-Corp? It's a business. He has his own corporation, right? Are you going to be able to do a for, what's, what's it called, a for, for 12, either, I, sorry, got the name, but the plan for business owners? For 12, e three? Yeah. Or it's not enough money. Like not enough money. Right? Okay. If you made a lot of money, you can deduct up to three hundred fifty thousand. But mm -hmm. he's only making about two hundred k. Okay. But you're on that you're on that wavelength, mm -hmm. right? So what do we do for business owners? What's a what's a plan? What's a type of IRA plan for a business owner? What did you say? SEP IRA. SEP Which what does SEP stand for? Self Employment Pension IRA, right? Now the benefit of a SEP IRA in this case, okay. Because another headache he's dealing with is taxes. Oh, okay. this poor guy. Because <laughs> he's a small business owner, right? Making good income, right? You don't get so much write-offs, right? So he's paying a lot to Uncle Sam. I said, look, here's what we're gonna do. Check this out. And I haven't even gone through his finances yet. This 500 bucks, we're going to add it to roll over his IRA into a SEP IRA. And instead of him paying a, a money manager 2,000 bucks a year, we're gonna put that $2,000 in to your IRA. 
Okay, not only are we going to do that, we're going to move into a SEPIRA status. Why would I do that? Because in a SEPIRA, you can deduct up to 25% of your annual gross income. What is 25% of 200000 50000 How much can I put into a SEPIRA? $55,000 per year. So he's going to deduct all 50000 from his taxes, and we're going to roll that over. So now the goal is to get him, because he's only going to get 1900 bucks a month from Social Security. I was like, how much money do you need, Gabe? He's like, I need at least between four and 5000 Okay, so you got seven years, brother, to fund this bad boy, right? And if we do it right, you're going to hit that goal, because we're going to, you know, I haven't even run the illustration here, but I already know it. And I'm going to show you guys that. I'm, I'm going to put it into a set buyer status. He's going to get the tax break on that. And we're going to turn on lifetime income at 67. That is more than going to fulfill that goal of getting lifetime income that's going to hit his income goal for the rest of his life. You're awesome, Carlo. That's I have a awesome. question. Because of his age, he cannot, it's not convenient for him to start putting some amount into some type of life insurance to be able to get those tax benefits when he retires. Because that, all that is tax deferred. Yeah. It's gonna, he's going to have to pay tax on it. Yeah. He's not. Great question. He's 60, so custom insurance is high, and he's he's a diabetic. Oh, never mind. So I got him uh, a term policy with National Life Group that I currently do right now to cover his mortgage because he's got a. He moved it from a 30 to 15 year mortgage. He still has 10 years left on 240,000. So I got him a 240,000 dollar 10 year term. Um, but I'm trying to qualify because he's a diabetic right now. But you told me as long as it's yeah. manageable, right? But the thing is, he doesn't have health insurance in the states. He, he goes to Mexico. Right, so I'm like, damn, how am I gonna show that to the underwriter that it is manageable, but there's no health insurance here. So I just have to tell the underwriter, like, yeah. he goes to Mexico because the cost is cheaper for his medicine. Then they might do like a blood test or something. Yeah. They might for sure do that. So we'll see, right? But, you think that's gonna help him out? Oh my God, yeah. You see the point, right? Yeah. Guys, this is what we do. Yeah, we do. Um, so when they do, they, they get like a, their physical assessment. That really dictates their health, right? Mm -hmm. Of what they can get covered. Or, uh, if, yeah. Yeah. What National Act will do is on the term series now, even on the permanent series, is they're going to do something called easy underwriting, which is they're not going to look, they'll run the social, and the social pops up to the something called the MIB. So if I ran your social, so if you wanted to go apply for health insurance, they're not going to do a blood and urine check on you, right? But they're going to run your social and say, oh, I see this guy, he's got these prescription medications. Oh, he was in the hospital last year for this reason. Okay, so there is, there's transparency there. Like, okay, I see that we're going to be coughing up money for his care based on this, right? That's what Obamacare brought up, pre-existing conditions to be covered. You know, in the past, if it wasn't that way, now life insurance falls under that same um, MIB access medical information bureau. So if I run your social, your prescription meds, because you'll have clients that tell you, you know what, I'm on nothing, I'm good, I'm healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and they're minded like, I ain't gonna tell them shit, I'm trying to get this to go through, right? <laughs> and then once you put them up, then the underwriter the next day says, hey, can you get with Danity and tell us why he's on Xanax and he's on this medication and Zoloft and he was, uh, he was uh, hospitalized for a week last year for this reason, and I have to come to you and be like, can you tell me about this shit? Like, shit, how did they get that information? Yeah, yeah man. 
right? They're going to get access to it. So if nothing pops up, I don't need to do a blood and urine. Based on what I see, I'm going to do overall assessment that you're in pretty good hating, up to a million dollars, right? And so then they just issue the policy. They're still going to do their underwriting. We still have to be transparent, yeah. you know? But yeah, now if they find something that the underwriter says, you know, something's here, I just don't, there's, I, I can't tell what it is. Hey, agent, go to tenant, we want to do a blood and urine exam. We just want to see what's going on underneath the, the skeptical a little bit, right? Because you got to know the company's on the hook for 250, 500, 750, whatever amount of money you're trying to insure the client for. So they're they're making an investment into that client. You know, you're paying us fifty bucks a month for a five hundred thousand dollar policy. Well, what's to say that you don't pay us for four months and you something happens to you because we didn't see it and we end up copying a five hundred thousand? That's a, the insurance company just lost a huge chunk of money. It was a bad investment on their end. So you got to look at it like that. You know, but life insurance is uh, it's an interesting game, man. But it's a beautiful game. It's a necessary game. You know, and so it's it it does have a high functionality in the grand scheme of things. So, but is that is that helpful to see that? You know what we can do. So always keep in mind is that you deal with guarantees and that you can help anybody. Now, what's more better than a guaranteed retirement plan? Okay, pretty much nothing. You know, but don't ever think that you have to compete and be like, well. Are you saying I should take stop my Edward Jones contributions and just deal with you? I didn't say that. Diversify, man. Yeah. You know? Have some guaranteed stuff with your non-guaranteed stuff. Make sense? And you're gonna have more plans. So cool. Okay, any other questions? All right.